I'd like you to look at the chapter of Luke 15. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32 will be our main portion of the text. The title is Ruin and Restoration. Ruin and Restoration. We're going to look at, don't get scared by this number here, seven steps of downward decline into ruin and seven steps of upward climb to restoration. What's going on here in this chapter is Jesus is sitting and the publicans, the tax collectors, and the sinners come to be with Him, to hear Him. And in verse 2, the Pharisees and the scribes start murmuring, saying, this man is sitting with sinners and he's eating with sinners. So Jesus goes into three parables. We're going to talk about the third of these parables. Your homework tonight is to go read the first two parables. It's a very quick read. But when you read all three after that first two verses, you'll see why he did all three of these parables in a row. Because all three of the parables are about a restoration of something that was lost. So he has two audiences here. He has sinners, known sinners, tax collectors, the drudges of society, and the Pharisees and the scribes. Two different audiences. So he's speaking to both in this parable. So let's first start with ruin. Well, first let's tell the story. We're not going to read it and tell the quick story. Most of us should know this. It's the prodigal son. There's a wealthy man. He has... Two sons, he has a large estate, many workers, and his youngest son comes up to him and says, Father, give me my inheritance now. I want what is coming to me. In that society, when the father would die, he would leave a double portion to the oldest son and the rest would be divided amongst the other sons. He has two sons, so one son would get a third and one son would get two thirds. This youngest son says, I want my one third and I want it now which is completely out of the norm in that society. So the father gives it to him. He goes ahead and gives him his portion. Well, the son immediately takes his portion and he runs as far away from the father as he can. In fact, he goes into a completely foreign land, a foreign place, away from what he's known, away from his father, away from his religion, everything. And he takes his money and in short, he parties it up. He lives a party life. He's got friends around him. They're enjoying it because this guy's paying for all of it. And then all of a sudden, this huge famine comes to the land. And this guy turns around and he looks and all of his friends are gone because his money's gone. They didn't care about him. They care about what he was doing for them. And he looks around and he realizes, I don't know a soul in this foreign land. Everybody I knew was just with me for my money. Now we've got no real friends. And I'm hungry. I'm going to have to go get a job. So he goes and he indentures himself to a man of the foreign kingdom. And if that's not bad enough, he goes to feed the man's pigs. That's really important for later on in this. Well, in the midst of feeding these pigs, he realizes even these pigs have something to eat, and I don't. And he looks around and he realizes his condition. Completely desperate, filthy, muddy, stinky. I don't know if you've been around pigs much, but they smell bad, really bad. And he's hungry. 
and he comes to himself, meaning he wakes up and he sees his desperate condition. And he knows he only has one choice. I, if I am going to survive, I must return to my father. So he comes up with a great speech to give to his father. He's repentant. He's sorry. Dad, I am so sorry for what I've done. You owe me nothing. You've given me everything. At least just let me be a hired hand on your farm. Because even they have a place to sleep and they have food. And he knows his father to be a just and a good man. Surely he'll at least give him a job and treat him not as a son, but as a servant. So he returns home to his father. And on his way home, his father sees him and he runs to him and he embraces him. And his son starts his speech and his father stops him and just kisses him and blesses him and welcomes him home. Puts a robe on, a ring on, and shoes on, which are all significant. Slays the fatted calf, which is significant. Throws this huge feast to welcome his son home. The older brother comes in and is angry because he'd stayed there the whole time, done everything his father told him to, and he never gave him anything. So that's where our story is. So in verse 12, in the first step of ruin, it says, The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth near to me, And he divided it unto him. He said, Dad, give me what you owe me. I deserve it, and I want it now. Now, That's a shocking request in this society. That shows complete and utter disrespect for the father. In essence, what the son is saying is, I wish you were dead. Because when you die, I get my portion. But you're still alive, and I want it now. So I disregard even your life, Dad. Father, I don't regard you. I only regard what you can give to me. And I'm not willing to wait around for it, so I want it now. Complete self-will is the first step to ruin. Complete self-will. I want what is due to me, and I want it now. It's not fair that I don't have it yet. It's not fair that I'm having to work on my father's farm I want it now. Self-will. Step two. To ruin. Verse 13. And not many days after, the younger gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Step two is complete selfishness. Not only did he receive his inheritance from his father, but that wasn't good enough for him. He wanted to get as far away from the Father, His Father's hand, His Father's influence, His Father's kingdom, and as far from His brother, the farm, everything He knew, and get far away. I don't need you anymore, Father. I don't need you. I don't need your house. I don't need your home. I just want what you can give me. And in doing that, He is showing His complete selfishness. Not only did he just receive a third of that farm, he's taking a third of it away from everyone else. Yes, he may own a third, and the other brother is going to own two-thirds, but he's taking it away. I don't want to even benefit the rest of you people, the rest of the servants, my father or my brother or my mother or my family. I don't want you to benefit from my portion. It's mine. 
It belongs to me. Selfishness. Step three in our pathway to ruin is separation. In verse 13, after he gathered it all together, he took his journey to a far country. To a far country. He wanted to get as far away from the influence as he could. He wanted as far away from the influence of his father as he could possibly get. Not only did he just take his inheritance early, not only did he just leave the family farm, he didn't just leave the county or the state, he got out of the country as far away as he possibly could. Now remember, Jesus is speaking to Jews. This son hates his father so much that he wants to go live in the midst of a Gentile country. That's what the crowd is hearing. That's what the Pharisees are hearing. Now I want you to think of what the sinners, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, those two groups, what they're thinking during this. The sinners may be recognizing this in themselves. Oh man, that was me. I've gotten as far away as I could. The scribes and the Pharisees, I can see where this story is going. I never left. That despicable man has left. So think of those two groups of people that he's talking to throughout this parable. But this Jew goes as far away from his nation, meaning as far away from the temple as he can possibly get. And the symbolism here is he is going as far away from God as he possibly can. When we are on a path to ruin, we think of what is best for me. My will wants this and I want it now. Our selfishness. I want everything for me and me alone. What's best for me. I don't care how it hurts you. What is best for me. And then I'm going to get as far away from the influence as I can. Because those people just want something from me. And I don't want to give you anything. I don't want the influence of my father. I don't want the influence of my church. I don't want the influence of God and religion. So I'm going to go as far away from religion as I can. I'm going as far away from Christianity as I can. I'm going to get as far away from my church as I can. I'm going to get as far away from all that I know and have been brought up with as I can because it's not in my best interest. It's not what I want. Step four in our path to ruin Again in verse 13. And there in that far country he wasted his substance with riotous living. Step step four, sensuality. In many different ways. He wasted every bit of his inheritance. All that he had been given, he completely just blew it on horrible living. This word wasted is the same word that they would use when they would take wheat and throw it up into the air so that the wheat and the chaff could separate. But they have to throw it. He's literally throwing his money. Just throwing it. Throwing it out. No regard. No regard. Just as much fun as I can possibly have because it's what I want now. His self-will... His selfishness and his separation has brought him to a place of complete sensuality with the world. He was literally spending indiscriminately with no care, 
no regard, no morals, no guilt from what my father may be saying about what I'm doing, out of the view of my church so they can't see what I'm doing. I don't want the church to know, so I'm going to go away from the church. I don't want my family to know, so I'm going to go away from my family because I don't want them to look down on me and condemn my happiness. They don't know what makes me happy. I know what makes me happy. I know what I need. I don't need them condemning me. So I will go as far away as I can and I will live it the way that I want. Riotous living. It's not just wasting his money. He's living in complete immorality. You'll see in verse 30 that he wasted his money on prostitutes. So you can assume he's living a drunken, drugged up, sensual life at this point. And he is surrounded. He is the life of the party. This guy's got money. That's a pretty, probably a pretty big farm. Takes a third of it. Man, you can spend some money. And he is. People start flocking to him. Hey, buddy. Man, let's have another party. I mean, I've always liked you. You've always been cool. I've always thought you were cool. I want to get to know you more. Can we have another party? Let's, I know some people. They'll come. Man, he's surrounded. He's loving it. He's loving it. He's got everybody around him. The world is now at his fingertips. Father can't tell me what to do. I'm not working on that farm. I've got everybody at my fingertips. These people are wrapped around my little finger. They love me. Your self-will, your selfishness, your separation is going to drive you to this sensual type of living. But he finds out very quickly in his road to ruin, that they only loved what he could give them, not him, himself. The fifth step on our decline to ruin is in verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to want Step five is a complete spiritual destitution in your road to ruin. He realizes all of a sudden that it's all gone. But he's still not looking back home. His back is to home. I will not return to my father. It's not even in his mind. All of his selfishness, all of his self-will, his separation from what is good and wholesome in his life. His sensuality has brought him to complete destitution. His spirit is low. Everything's gone. His money, inheritance. There is no more inheritance. He got his portion and he blew it. It's gone. His friends are gone. Everybody that he thought loved him are gone. And not only had his party companions abandoned him, he all of a sudden realizes he has nothing. And not just nothing, he has no one, no place to lay his head, and he has no food. The life of the party has been abandoned because everyone he had surrounded himself were just like him. They were self-willed and they were selfish and they wanted what the world could give them. And now he's seeing they didn't love me at all. He's Deep in despair. He is destitute. He's depressed. He's at a low point in his life. 
You know, we find ourselves there from time to time when we get away from what we know is right in the Lord. God, you don't really know what's best for me right now. I know you may think you have my best interest at heart, Lord, but I know what would be best for me. I need this. This is the path I know I need to take. I know my father says no. I know God is telling me no. I know Scripture is telling me no. I know my church is telling me no. But this is really what I know to be best. And then we separate ourselves and we live a life without God and without the church and without the fellowship and we find ourselves at a low, low place. We are desperate. Desperate. Step six of our path to ruin. Self-degradation. That's a big word for just saying you are degrading yourself by making yourself lowly. Verse 15, And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Whoa! That guy just got what's coming to him. That's what the Pharisees and scribes are saying. That is the worst of the worst that you could possibly think of. Especially for a wealthy Jew. This is the most degrading sort of behavior that the Pharisees could think of. And Jesus knows that. Not only could they not eat swine and pigs, they weren't even supposed to touch them. Now this guy's sitting in the middle of a field full of pigs, sitting in their muck, trying to feed them. He's got nowhere to sleep. So we could probably think he's probably sleeping in some kind of barn where pigs are. He's nasty. He stinks. And he is now unclean. Spiritually unclean. That's the lowest he could possibly go. He is at the bottom of the barrel here. He has reached down to the bottom. And if that wasn't bad enough, he's doing it in a foreign country with Gentiles telling him what to do. He now works for a pagan. And that pagan has thrown him in the mix of unclean pigs. Well, that's the sinners, the, the, uh, the uh, tax collectors, and the publicans sitting there. And the Pharisees are looking. Oh, yeah, that's those guys. They're the bottom of the bottom. They are filthy. They are below me. Far beneath me. And you know what those tax collectors and those sinners are thinking? Yep, that's me. I am the lowest of the low. I deserve nothing. I am dirty. I am weak. And I am poor. I have nothing. So they both know who's getting talked about in this story. Step seven of the spiritual decline into ruin. Step seven, verse 16. He's in the middle of pigs, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. Starvation, spiritual starvation. He is completely void 
at this point. He's at such a desperate low in his life that he would literally eat the very food he's feeding the pigs. He's not even supposed to touch pigs. Now he's living with pigs and he's willing to eat their food. Now these husks that they're talking about are pods from a carob tree. It's a spiky pod because a pig's belly can handle anything. Did you know that a pig can digest everything it eats except for teeth? That's a pretty strong stomach. This guy is willing to eat the filth that the pigs are eating. That's how desperate he is at this point. He is spiritually void. I know life is bad, but I will not go back. They're not going to tell me what to do. I'm not going to be under subjection to my father. I won't be in that church. What right have they have over me? I am willing to eat the filth of this world to be my own man. That's where this guy is at this point. Complete spiritual starvation. You cannot get lower than to be spiritually starved. This is the bottom of the valley. So I want you to picture a valley, kind of like a V-shape right here. And there's steps coming down, and there's steps going up. This guy's right here. There's no more steps going down. He went to the bottom step. There's nowhere to go except up. He can't go anywhere else. And this is where we see restoration. Restoration. Step one to restoration we see in verse 17. And when he came to himself. Step one is realization. Realization. He came to himself. This man was bankrupt emotionally, spiritually bankrupt. Nothing. He was hungry. This means he woke up. He saw the light bulb, his eyes opened, his mind awakened. And he saw just how destitute he actually was. He'd never admitted it. He was blind to how low he had gone. He should have seen it. He should have seen how low he had gone when everyone left him. He should have seen how low he had gone when he had nothing to eat. He should have seen how low he had gone when he went to a foreign man to work for him. He should have seen how low he had gone when he was willing to work with the filth of the pigs. And he should have seen how low he was when he was willing to eat their food. But he missed all these steps and all these opportunities to turn back around before he got to the bottom. How many of us have waited until there is no more steps to go down? before we start to wake up. I've been there. I've been at the bottom. But I tell you, when you have a father, there is a path up. Those steps don't just go down and stay there and there is no way up. There is a path back to restoration. And every bit, every step of that path involves the Father. 
every step. He comes to himself and he realizes what he had left with his father. He realized what he had done to his father. Not only had he left his father, but he had told his father, I wish you would just die and give me what is mine. I don't want you. I want what you have and what you can give me. I just want your benefits. I don't want you. He came to realize where he was. He came to himself. Step two in his climb to restoration. Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth. When he realized he was at the bottom, when his eyes opened and he realized where he was, he had to make a resolution. He had to make a decision right then and there in the midst of these unclean pigs at the lowest point of life he could possibly be. And he resolved himself to start climbing back up, to go back to the Father. He made a resolution to get up. You're going to fall. You're going to find yourself in the murky quagmires of life. But are you resolved to get up? Are you resolved? Step three to his climb to restoration. Step three is repentance. Not only did he realize where he was and resolve himself to get up, he knew that there was something he had to do. He had to repent. Verses 18 and 19. I will arise and go to my father and he will say unto him, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He didn't just get up to go see if he could get something from his dad again. He didn't just go back to see if he could get something from his father. He realized when he had awoken that he was a sinner. When you wake from your sin, there must be repentance. Because if there is not repentance, you're not truly to awake of how desperate you were. And you're still filled with self-will and selfishness. But when you get to the bottom and you see that you are as low as it can go and that you are as desperate as it can be, and you remember you have a father, a good father, but you are not worthy of him. Father, I'm not worthy. Not worthy to be your son. I know that. I'm desperate and I'm at the bottom. I know that I have wronged you and I know I have sinned against you. Just make me as a hired servant. Matthew Henry says, We must not despair of the worst, for while there is life, there is hope. The grace of God can soften the hardest heart and give a happy turn to the strongest stream of corruption. He realized much more than the gravity of his current situation. He realized the gravity of the sin against his father. So he thinks about what he's going to say. He was careful in what he was going to say. 
Step four in his climb to restoration. Verse 20. And he arose and he came to his father. Return. Return back to the father. I want you to imagine this, this man's return. He has no food. He is weak. He is filthy. He stinks. And he is hungry. But more so than any of these, as bad as it can be, he is filled with shame and sorrow. Slowly trudging along from a foreign country with no food in his belly, no money in his pockets, shoulders hung down, head hung low, dragging his feet along the rocky roads of shame. Tears coming down his face, turning that filth into mud on his face. But yet, in that state, he returns to his father. Kids, if you ever royally messed up, just completely messed up, and you realize, I need to go tell mom and dad what I just did. They don't know, or they may know. But I realize now how bad a thing I just did. And I know I'm in serious trouble. You've been, I have. <laughs> and you got to go to walk to mom and dad's bedroom. Tell them what you just did. Man, that's a slow walk. That's a long walk. That's a scary walk. You're shaking. You're trembling. You're embarrassed. You're shameful. But you know what? You're walking to the room to tell them something. Will there be consequences? Most of the time, yes. But you're walking to the room. I know I'm in trouble. I know I really messed this one up. I should probably just go ahead and get ready for that punishment. But you know what? I'm walking to that room. And I'm going to tell them what I did. That's what this guy's doing right now. He's returning. Now the Pharisees are sitting there saying, oh, 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 this is going to be good. This dude's getting it when he gets there. My dad is going to lay it on him. The sinners are saying, man, that's what I feel right now. I got pig muck on me. And I just want a father. Step five in our upward climb to restoration. Verse 20 again. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was yet a, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck. Step five is reconciliation. He has this speech prepared. He knows he's got to come to his father and repent. Now imagine the Pharisees' face when they hear Jesus say that. Let's do this again. They're waiting. This guy's coming back. And his dad is going to lay the law on him. Man, he's going to give it to him. And he arose and his father saw him. <laughs> yep, father's standing back. The gates were at the front of his castle or his kingdom. He's got his cup of coffee. Long way off, a mile long driveway and he sees him. He's like, yep. Keep walking. I see you. Stumbling on back here with your shame. Sip my coffee. I'm waiting. Come on. 
do this walk of shame. You're getting it when you get back. That's the Pharisee's viewpoint. What do you mean he runs to him and hugs him? He's got pig muck on him. Jesus, what are you doing with the story? You just messed the whole thing up. But then you've got these sinners sitting over there. And they say, I'm the pig filth covered man with tears streaming down my face, crawling back to a father, willing to receive my punishment. And he grabs me in his arms and he kisses my filthy face. And he starts, he's like, Father, forgive me. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. And in the middle, the father just stops him, doesn't even let him finish his speech. He never gets to the part of, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to be one of your servants. The father stops, forgiven, kissing him. You're forgiven. I don't need to know all the details. I don't need to know the country you went into. I don't need to know everything you've done. I just know you're here. You're home. And I welcome you. Father, I have sinned. Do you feel that way? Are you at a point in your life where you are crawling back or crawling to for the first time? You just simply say, Father, I have sinned. Step six, renewal, verse 22. Verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be married. Be married. Renewal is step six. This filthy man is figuratively made clean. He is clothed. In the best garments. He's restored and he's clothed. He's put on a robe of cleanliness. The Father is washing him. The ring is placed upon his finger. This is a status. This is a status. The Father and the heirs wore the rings. This son had no ring. But the Father says, show the world that He is my Son. Put the ring on His hand and show the world He is mine. And then He puts on the shoes of... Now, why are the shoes important? Because this guy had none. And he had walked from a far country. His feet are bloody. His feet are beaten. And they are dirty. And the Father cares for him. He cleans him and puts the robe. He gives him status as a son with a ring. And then he cares for him with shoes. Step seven in our climb to restoration. Brothers and sisters, you're at the peak. You've been from one end to the other. You've been down to the bottom. And now you're back at the top. And there is rejoicing in your restoration. Rejoicing. They brought this fatted calf. They killed it and they had a feast. Great rejoicing. The Pharisees are standing here in shock. What about the speech of shame he was, you were supposed to give him? Where's that? He's unclean. What do you mean? Feeding the best of the best. 
And the sinners are sitting there now weeping and rejoicing that they, the lowest of the low, can be welcomed into the greatest of the greatest as an heir of the King, the Father. The fatted calf is reserved for the special occasions. This is a royal feast. And there is rejoicing. There is rejoicing in this. I'm going to quickly go through the Pharisees. They reject the Father as the Son did. So you say, what about the second Son? Wasn't He still there? Second Son comes in and hears all this rejoicing. He's like, what in the world is going on? So a servant, he gets one of them to come to him. He says, what are they doing in there? Verses 15 through 32. Well, they're having a party. Why? It's a party of restoration. Your brother's back. What? He let him come in the house? He's throwing him a party? I'm not going in. I'm not doing it. He's filthy. He shamed our father. He took a third of the farm. I'm not going in. Well, that's the Pharisees standing there right there. They got their arms folded. This is stupid. I don't like it. I'm not going to love them. I'm not going to be happy if they come in. I've been righteous the whole time. That's what the son says. I've been here the whole time. I've always done what you said. Everything. And here's where we know that he's the Pharisee. But you never gave me. What'd you do for me, God? Father, what have you done for me? I've been faithful. I've been there the whole time. But you never gave me. Why couldn't I kill a goat and have a party? What are you going to do for me, God? Where is my treasure? The father comes to him and says, Is not all that I have already yours? He'd already received, in essence, his inheritance. Because the youngest son took his one-third away. The two-thirds that was left, that is the oldest son's inheritance. He says, Is not all this already yours, son? And he says... Here's the son. You let your son come in. That's his disdain. He won't even call him his brother. Not my brother came back. I mean, I don't like the guy, but he won't even say that. Your son, that person, that filth, that bottom of society has come and you welcomed him in and I've been here the whole time. He was angry. Angry. Well, you can compare that to verse 2 of chapter 15. The Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, What is he doing with sinners? They're angry. Well, this son is angry. Why would you welcome a filthy person that abandoned you back in? He's, he's mad. I've never disobeyed you. I've done everything right. Sounds a lot like Luke chapter 18. The scribe and the, I mean, the Pharisee and the tax collector going to the temple to pray. I have fasted, I have given alms. I, I, I. That's the son. That's the son. He showed contempt, the son of yours. These, these Pharisees, what is important to know here is that they already had access to all 
the blessings and the riches of Scripture. They had access to that because their entire lives were spent in studying that word, knowing that word, quoting that word. It was at their fingertips. Yet they loved not the Father. They had no love for the Father. They loved the religion and what it gave them as a Pharisee. As a Pharisee and a scribe, they had status. They had wealth. They had reputation. They were above all others. They had no love for the Father. The son, the oldest son, did not love the Father. He loved what he could benefit from being the oldest son of the Father. That's where his heart lies. The father says, it is necessary, in verse 32, it was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this. Thy brother was dead. Now he lives, was lost, and now he was found. He's saying it is fitting that we should rejoice at the return of any who comes to God. Now this is where the first two parables come in. So I want you to read those tonight. There are ten verses. Read those two parables in Luke 15 and then read this one. How in the world could you rejoice over one sheep out of 99, one coin out of ten, but not a brother? Where is your rejoicing in finding what was once lost The depiction is of Jesus putting on this robe of righteousness over us. He's putting on this ring of restoration when we come back to Him. The sad, repentant sinner who has come home. But He has not come home for what the benefits. He hasn't come home for that. He's simply come home for the Father. He has simply come home to His Father. God created us to live in a loving relationship with Him. Nothing, nothing will separate you from that love of the Father. Romans 8, 35-39 tells us. Nothing can come between His love for you. Not even the separation of you leaving. Going to the filth. He still loves His own. He still loves His own. Return to Him today. Confess. Acknowledge your sins before Him if you haven't. And if you have and you felt yourself slipping back, go back to the Father. Go back to Him. Repent. Run back to the loving embrace of a loving God. Let's pray. God, we know we don't deserve that robe. We have no right to that ring. And there is nothing that should cause you to put shoes upon us. But Lord, while we were filthy, covered in the muck of pigs and sweat and blood, you reached and grabbed us from the lowest depths. And you brought us into a loving embrace into your chest. And you kissed us. 
And you made us clean through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which put on that ring, causing us to be heirs with you. And with that comes the shoes of you caring for us and the feasting and the rejoicing. Lord, we know that even the angels of heaven rejoice when one of your saints comes to you. Lord, may we rejoice with them. And Lord, for those that are hearing this, that have gone to the muck and the pigs and have gone down all the steps to the bottom, Lord, may they look up and see the steps to you and come running. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.